What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Locked On Universe, some of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend, paranormal lore. Welcome back, welcome back, happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing excellent and taking care of yourself. So hopefully today we're going to have an awesome one. I think this is a very in-depth, personal abductee story that uh, you're going to enjoy. This one involves the Dulce base, and it's got a lot of detail of the Dulce base. Uh, it happened to a woman named Krista Tilton. Is that her real name? I don't know. She might be using a, you know, a pseudonym. Uh, but she, she wrote um, an article called Going Underground, uh, which is written by herself. Uh, and this is off of the U.S. UFO, sorry, UFOcasebook.com. Uh, so this woman was a, an attractive, blonde, Nordic-appearing woman who relates some remarkable contactee and abductee type experiences that she had at the Dulce base, which we'll get into in just a second. First, a little guest appearance by Dead Kitty. Yes, Dead Kitty. And we got our whole panel of people. We've got Zen Bigfoot right here. Say hello. Oh, you're in deep meditation? Okay, no problem, Mr. Zen Bigfoot. And we've got Baby Alien. Still in, still, still in the cooker. And then, of course, we got alien head right here. Now, this this type of creature, this alien, uh, a typical gray, was what she encountered most in the Dolce base. However, there were others that she encountered as well. So we're going to get into it. So Krista uh, stated that several months ago, I became aware of two different cases. Uh, one in May of 1973 which Judy Doherty of Texas had an unusual experience of being taken to an underground facility, and also an abduction case investigated by the APRO and Mr. Paul Benowitz of May of 1980 uh, with Myrna Hansen of New Mexico, who had a similar experience. So this is kind of where Krista started coming out with a lot of her information. She stated, since I'm doing my own investigation into my own underground experience, I found that it... Uh, would be of help to me um, if anyone else might have experienced something similar I was going to have to make myself read their transcripts for months I would procrastinate because I suppose subconsciously I did not want to relive this experience I had by reading another person's experiences and this is kind of what a lot of people say they say I don't want to get into it I don't want to relive this I actually had, you know, some similar experiences where I didn't want to relive certain things myself, so I just didn't talk about them at all. Um, it didn't matter what people said. I didn't want to bring it up. Um, but she states, now I'm glad that I did read those people's experiences. Finally, I'm going to reveal uh, some of the many correlations in all three of our cases in hopes that others will come forward. My experience happened in July of 1987, and I had a three-hour missing time window, which later, under hypnosis, gotta love that hypnosis, right? Allows you to focus and find out some hidden details deep within the subconscious. I relived the most unusual night of my life. I did not go willingly into the craft. Two small aliens dragged me away by my two arms and on my back into the craft, and they rendered me unconscious. The next thing I remember is waking up on a table inside of sm some small type of craft. The guide, she quotes guide, greeted me and gave me something to drink. 
I now believe it was a stimulant of some kind because I was not sleepy after I drank the substance. I was taken out of the craft, and when I looked around, I noticed I was standing on top of a hill. On top of a hill? Okay. But I saw a faint light near a cavern. We walked up to this area, and it is then I saw a man dressed in a red military jumpsuit like a pilot would wear. Interesting. You don't see those too much, or we don't have a whole lot of red anything, right? We're anti-red here uh, in America because the red typically means communists uh, or the or the Russians. <clears throat> My guide seemed to know this man as he greeted him as we came closer. I noticed he wore some some type of patch and was carrying an automatic weapon. When we walked into the tunnel, I realized we were going going right into the side of a large hill or a mountain. Uh, there, we, there we met another guard in red, and I saw a computerized checkpoint with two cameras on each side. To my left was a large groove where a small transit vehicle carried you further inside. Interesting. Kind of reminds me of, like, Beetlejuice, like, where that flattened dead guy, like, scooted into, like, the little cutout in the wall. Um, but she states to my, to my right... It looked like a long hallway where there were many offices. We took the transit car and went for what it seemed like a very long time to another secured area. It was then I was told to step onto some type of scale device that faced a computer screen. I saw lights flashing and numbers computing and then a card was issued with holes punched in it. Man, this sounds like sounds like a long time ago. Holes punched in it. Come on now. Even back then they had some good technology. <clears throat> I would later realize that it was used as an identification inside a computer. I asked my guide where we were going and why. He didn't say too much the whole time except that he was he was to show me some things that I need to know for future reference. This is interesting because a lot of times we hear abductees being told that they're going to be part of some kind of event. Some event in the future and they're going to be crucial to that event. And they're going to have to lead people away from where the authorities are telling them to go. There'll be mass mass problems, mass people running in the streets. And these, these people that are abducted and told them they're going to be part of the event will direct people the correct way as opposed to the wrong way, which they're being directed towards by other authority figures. Uh, he told me that we had just entered level one, the facility of the facility. I asked what kind of facility it, it was. He did not answer. This story is so long and detailed. I hope to write more about it. She states, uh, but she states, I was taken into a huge looking elevator that had no door. How do you get into an elevator with no door? Uh, it was very, it was like a very large dumbwaiter. Well, I've used dumbwaiters and they have doors, so I'm not sure exactly what she means. Uh, but it took us down to level two. So they start off at level one and go to two, three, four, five, six, seven as you get lower. Um, many of these um, hive type bases have been shown to have kind of like a, a reverse pyramid. The pyramid would be up towards the sky. This would be like a reverse pyramid going down into the ground with the upper layers being long and large. And then getting smaller and smaller as they go towards the bottom. <clears throat> as we walked, I noticed the lighting was strange in that I could not see a source for it. That makes sense too. 
We hear a lot about that. Other people walked by and never once acted like I was a stranger. I felt like I was in a huge office building and there were many employees with many offices and cubicles. I then saw an extremely large area which looked like a giant factory. There were many small alien-type craft parked at the sides. That's interesting. Uh, some of some were being worked on underneath, and it was then that I saw my first gray type of alien. They seemed to be doing the menial jobs, the jobs that nobody wants to do. And never once did they look up as we passed. There were cameras posted everywhere. Then we arrived at another elevator and went down to level 5. This is interesting, right? It seems like you had to get off one elevator to go to level 2, move over to another area where you can go down another elevator. This is like a security measure. So you can get to one area and then go down to another area. Some buildings in, you know, in the big cities have this. Um, so if you go to like Empire State Building, Sears Tower, or some of the really tall buildings... You go up like 30 floors, and then you have to move over to another elevator, go up another 30 floors. So uh, this isn't that uncommon. I noticed that uh, two, two of the guards seemed to be arguing about something, and they kept looking over at me. I wanted to find the closest exit out of this place, but I know that I had come too far for that. This time, I was asked to change clothes. I was told to put on what looked like a hospital gown. Only thank God there was a back to it. I did ask, I did as I was told, because I didn't want any trouble. I stepped onto this scale-like device, and suddenly a screen lit up, and I heard strange tones and frequencies that made my ears hurt. What I really thought was strange was these guards saluted the guide I was with, although he was not wearing any military clothes. He was dressed in a dark green jumpsuit, but it had no insignia that I know of. He told me to follow him down this corridor. As I passed the guard station, I noticed the humming of those cameras as they watched my every move. I was taken down another hall, and it was then that I smelled this horrid smell. So contrary to the two individuals she was, she was doing her research on Judy and Myrna's story, I knew what I was smelling, or at least I thought I knew. It smelled like formaldehyde. Now formaldehyde, if you don't know is a preservative for dead bodies. Because of my medical background, I felt probably more comfortable with this situation because I had gone through it so many times before. We came into a large room and I stopped to look inside. I saw these huge tanks with computerized gauges hooked to them and a huge arm-like device that extended from the top of the tubing down into the tanks. The tanks were about four feet tall so standing from where I was, I could not see inside of them. I did notice a humming, and it sounded like if something was being stirred in the tanks. I started to walk closer to the tanks, and at this time, my, gu my guide grabbed my arm, pulled me roughly out into the hall, and he told me it wasn't necessary to see the contents of the tanks, that it would only complicate matters. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Complicate matters. <clears throat> So we went down the hallway, and he guided my arm into a large laboratory. I was amazed because I saw... I was amazed because I worked in a laboratory before, and I was seeing machines that I had never seen before. It was then I turned and saw a small gray being with his back turned doing something at the counter. I heard a clicking of metal against metal. I had only heard this... 
when I was preparing my surgical instruments for, for my doctor in surgery. Then my guide asked me to go sit down on the table in the middle of the room. I told him I wouldn't do it, and he said it would be much, much easier if I just complied. I was not smiling, and I was scared. I did not want to be left in this room with this gray alien. <laughs> About the time I was thinking this human man arrived, he was dressed like a doctor with a white lab coat on, and the same type of badge that I was issued. That punch card, I'm assuming. The guide went to greet him and they shook hands. I began shaking and I was cold. The temperature seemed awfully cold. My guide smiled at me and told me that he would be waiting outside and I would be only there for a few minutes. And I began to cry. I cry when I get scared. The gray alien looked at me and turned around to continue what he was doing. And the doctor called for more assistance. And it was then the, that one other gray alien came in. The next thing I knew, I was very drowsy, and I knew I was being examined internally. And when I lifted my head, I saw this horrid green, green, this horrid gray alien looking at me, glaring at me, she says, with large black eyes. It was then I felt a stabbing pain. I screamed, and the human doctor stood next to me and rubbed something over my stomach. It was cold. The pain immediately subsided. I could not believe this was happening to me all over again. Sounds like this this happened to her a few times. And I'll just take a second here. This is, you know, th this coincides with a lot of stories that we hear about women in particular um, or men. You know, if they're being examined and they have, you know, something sharp going to them, some in sharp instrument where either the alien, usually it's the alien, puts their hand over the person's head and immediately they feel no pain. In this instance, there was a human doctor. He took something, some substance that was cold and put it over her stomach. And she didn't feel anything. You know, it's like something like icy hot or some sort of, you know, chemical that they only had. Um, but it's interesting that the human here is in charge. It's, you know, when they came up with this treaty with Eisenhower over who was going to be in charge and how these abductions were going to go, uh, I believe it was the Greys that were going to be in charge, or maybe the Dracos allowing their Grey, you know, subordinates to, to be in charge. But as time went on, the government found out that they were doing things wrong, they were abducting too many people, and so the government said, hey, we have to have our humans with you during every single abduction. And it seems like this, this might be more of the case where they started having these joint bases of Dolce Base and others, and they worked together. You know, with human supervision, you know, making sure everything was, you know, whole. <laughs> I mean, how can you say you abducting another human be and and examining them would be on the up and up? But, you know, again, you know, we're we're a bit at the mercy of these folks. It seems like at least back in the day we were. Maybe now we have some weaponry that can fight them. But anyway, go, getting back to the story. <clears throat> pain immediately subsided. I couldn't believe this happened to me all over again. I begged them to let me go, but they just kept on working very fast. After they were finished, I was told to get up and go into a small into the small room to change back into my other clothes. I noticed blood as if I had started my period, but I continued to get dressed, and when I came out, I saw my guide speaking to the doctor in the corner of the room. I just stood there helpless. I felt, oh, felt more alone than I ever had in my life. I felt like a guinea pig. After we had left the laboratory, I was silent. I was angry at him for allowing this to happen to me again, but he said it was necessary. It was necessary. Necessary for who? Who is it necessary for? Them? 
not us. He told me for he told me to forget. I see more aliens pass us in the hall. Again, it was as if I was a ghost. I asked my guide to please explain this place to me. He told me it was a very sensitive place and I would be brought back again in the next few years. I again asked where he I asked where I was and he told me he could not tell him for my own safety or tell me for my own safety. We then got into the small transit car, it took us to the other side. It was there I saw the most disturbing things of all. Hmm, it's getting good at the 16-minute mark, huh? So, she says, unlike the two other women, um, I saw, uh, or they saw, cows being mutilated. I saw what looked to me to be people of all different types standing up against a wall inside a clear casing-like chamber. I went closer, and it looked as if they were wax figures. I could not understand what I was seeing. I also saw animals in cages. They were alive. Now, take a second here. This is really interesting, right? Because there's not a lot of individuals who've ever stated they've seen humans just in a casing, like a museum, frozen. There's only been a few stories I've ever even done a podcast on and I've, I've heard about that that's happened. I think it's been one to two. I've done over 600 podcasts, so it's pretty freaking rare. So what she saw is is extremely rare, and apparently it's at the Dolce base. Not in some spacecraft, but in the Dolce base. With humans. Interesting. <clears throat> she says, uh, at this point, the guide escorted me to the elevator, up through the various levels, uh, through the transit car, uh, that took her to the waiting alien craft, at which point I was returned home some three hours after the abduction experience begins. Incidentally, uh, Krista claims to have also experienced contacts with human-like beings from other worlds. Totally separate, right? These are not greys. These are human-like beings from other worlds. And we've heard about these from Randy Kramer. We've heard about these from Emery Smith uh, and many others who have engaged with these people. Uh, the Cassiopeians and, and a few others that look very similar to us could blend in very easily. Uh, they only have, you know, a few special differences like the capability of tele telepathy and, and some other um, special powers. So incidentally, um, one of the aliens by the name of Majan, M-A-I-J-A-N, who dealt with Chris all her life, has always worn an emblem of a feathered serpent, possibly symbolic of the ancient Mayan deity Quetzalcoatl. Now, we've heard of this feathered serpent badge on many different military personnel throughout the years. Uh, typically, it means some sort of alliance to rep the reptilians. Sometimes it means, you know, it, or sometimes it has been seen on human-like individuals as well as um, alien-type beings that don't look human at all uh, but they're on their badge on their patch on their suit somewhere sometimes on the chest sometimes on the arm he also claims to have ancestors from the aztec and mayan race as do several of the telosians inhabiting the colony under mount shasta california krista tilton admits that one of the human-like pleiadians and lyrans she has encountered range from strict non-interventionists 
to imperialistic factions who believe that conquering the planet Earth is justified as a means to subdue their perceived enemies on or below the surface of this planet. It seems as though there's a lot of exopolitics involved, um, and exopolitics are basically just politics off the planet, but they come to the planet and they have their own battles that don't even involve humans. So sometimes, you know, there's there's the belief that they should just come and dominate the planet um, just to be able to have domination over their enemies who are inside the planet. Uh, <clears throat> it, this might imply that the Draconians have, as many sources claim, maintained underground command centers beneath the surface of the Earth from where they direct many of their interventionist interstellar capabilities and projects. In addition to the above, Krista Tilton was kind enough to answer some questions for this present volume in regards to her own experiences. So this goes into kind of a Q&A section. Um, so Krista states, I've been investigating underground bases and Dolce, actually underground bases all over the world since 1987. 1987. I've had some good experiences and I've had some bad experiences with aliens and, and others. Uh, the question to her is, have you seen any people who were being held captive underground during your abductions to Dolce and other bases? So she states, first of all, let me state that there is now more evidence to prove that a base did exist back in 1987 when I was abducted. It's almost like she has to prove to herself that this base existed, and that's kind of common for a lot of abductees. They have to prove that it wasn't a dream or something fake. Uh, she states, about eight years following the Dolce Wars, which is a totally separate subject where there was a battle between uh, the aliens working in Dolce and the humans, and the humans were not having what they were trying to do, trying to accomplish. The, you know, a lot of these Dolce aliens were doing a lot of experiments on humans that the humans working down there were not having. They didn't like that. So there was a war that happened and a lot of people died. Um, but <clears throat> she states, after the about eight years after the Dolce Wars, the Dolce base was in the process of being dismantled. A lot of, a lot of times the government will have underground bases for different purposes, and then they'll shut them down, board them up with concrete in or whatever, and go on and build another base somewhere else. This makes sense, right? If you have a battle between an alien species and you don't want to work with them anymore you can go build another base somewhere else and if it's underground apparently i don't know what the deal is with these underground bases i don't know if they're trying to hide them from us or they're trying to hide them from aliens i mean i can't imagine that if you built an underground base it's gonna hide you from aliens i mean it might hide you from other humans using satellite tech trying to see your base from the ground uh, from you know space but i gotta imagine these alien Species have the capability to look underground, see if there's anything under there. Um, so I just don't get why they have to spend so much damn money building it underground. Uh, but there's probably more reason to that. Maybe it's for to avoid, you know, getting blasted with weapon blasts or something like that. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Um, she said, "You asked me if you asked me, did I see any people being held captive during these?" Uh, abductions to Dolce. I remember seeing some individuals as I walked by. They looked as though they were in suspended animation. I went up to be to the clear casings that they were being held in. I put my hand on the casing, leaned towards them to see if I could get some sort of response, but I did not. 
I cannot discern whether they were dead or alive at this point in time. They were not moving, and I could not see whether they were in any fluid. I think that the casings were free of any fluid in this particular case. As far as my being taken to other bases right now, I'm not going to comment on that because I'm still researching it. There has been speculation and information from an Air Force officer at Kirtland Air Force Base, which is by Area 51, um, or New Mexico, I'm sorry, Kirtland's by New Mexico, my bad. Uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. It's in the Monsanto Mountain Range, south of Kirtland Air Force Base, and taken to an underground facility, which is near Kirtland. Now, this has been confirmed by Richard Doty, who was part of the Air Force Office of Special Investigation. That's where he worked. You know, Los Alamos, Kirtland, all of those, Sandy, are all in the same area, New Mexico. Kirtland Air Force Base is the base where the division within the intelligence community over Dolce facility and the related joint interaction project seems to have begun. One that initially involved Colonel Doty, who I just talked about, and Colonel Edwards and the wing commander and others, uh, a division of the anti-gray U.S. Navy factions in the cabal COM-12, backed by the electorate government and their opposition, the pro-gray NSA factions in the Aquarius MAJI Magi, uh, backed by the corporate government. That's a little side note from the author here. Did any of your alien or human contacts mention the Dolce Wars? No. The alien beings that I came in contact with did not even speak to me. The human contacts did, but no, they didn't mention of any kind of wars that are going on there. So at that particular time, I was not aware of any kind of power struggle going on. I was just taken there for a specific purpose. Once once I was done, I was rushed out of there, and I don't think any kind of knowledge uh, like that in particular would have been given to me. There wouldn't have been any reason to even give it to me. Makes sense. Now, the next question, and I'm, I'm going to leave this on a cliffhanger because I'm going to do a part two. The next question that I will answer in the next podcast is, what kind of reptilians, if any, have you encountered? Now, we've heard that reptilians are in these bases as well. And since there's multi-levels to these bases, typically typically about eight, and we've heard about Dolce being having Nightmare Hall in, in the eighth level where they do human experiments, putting wings and putting claws and putting all kinds of grotesque things on humans is where it's at down in Dolce. So we're going to get to it. This is this is good. This is gonna this is gonna allow for an extra podcast, um, and I will cut it short here. So, I hope you guys have enjoyed it so far. We will do a part two, and uh, and we'll go from there. So, hope you guys are taking care of yourself spiritually, physically, emotionally, following through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams, and as always, continue to question the universe around you, question whether or not anything like this has happened to you, and if if so, go to. A hypnotic regression therapist find out more and uh here's here's dead kitty to say on his way out go like follow and subscribe thanks for your help guys thanks for making this podcast awesome thanks for your uh your um answers to the polls your comments your ratings it just helps the podcast grow and i appreciate you guys so much i hope you guys take care of yourselves locked on universe out